Welcome, everybody, to the Sustop Podcast, the first one of 2021, and I'm so excited because so many things are going down. We got some basketball back, football playoffs are about to start, and the NHL is coming back in a week. It's just, I'm just excited. It's so great to be a sports fan right now, but before we go diving into the NHL season ahead, some major news broke. This, so we're recording this as of Thursday. And the Mets have just traded for Francisco Lindor. All they really had to give up was Ahmed Rosario, Andreas Jimenez, or Jimenez, Jimenez, whatever his name, whatever his name is. Two other prospects to get Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. And my guests, and we're going to be talking hockey. I'm ta- I brought it back. Dan Hansen and Grant Francis is he- debuting on this podcast. Because and it's great because we have both former Islander producers, and I again I would love to be talking hockey, but this is this is major news. So I'm gonna go right to Dan. Dan, what is your initial reaction about this? Uncle Stevie, baby, <laughs> Steve Cohen. He uh, we had aspirations for the off season. Now that we're uh, you know super rich, and uh, now we have Francisco Lindor and another pitching piece of the rotation. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Brad Hand will be next. You know, we'll, we'll see what goes on. Now, hold on, hold on, buddy. You're gonna want to hold your horses because you're still trying to get George Springer. So let's let's hold. Let's stop. Let's you know. What I'm telling you is to like just hold hold the brakes for a second. You just got this guy. Savor him for a day. Oh, uh, I am. But I'm just saying, maybe while we're at it, we'll just buy the FCC. You know, buy the Treasury Department. Just buy it all because we can. And Grant, this is what happens. He's turned into an elitist. I have. The Mets are now elitists now. Although you got you got to remember your roots from October. It seems like they went from one extreme to the other. I don't follow baseball much, but <laughs> from an outsider looking in. Jesus, like I can't believe this. I'm back, slow- baby. Let's go. The- Let's do it. <laughs> also, speaking of back. Austin Rivers last night. Did you see what he did? I was following along on that too. Oh I, my I couldn't God. believe this. So the Knicks are also fun again. They're fun. I, I, they're, I just, they're, they're just about to sign Taj Gibson, like uh, right well, now. Just like does they, that they, mean anything? But it's it, it, it does. They need they need like the uh, they need the depth right now. And honestly, like what if, depth? They need guards and wings. I mean, like honestly, right now, like aside from uh, Mitch Robinson. Who do you have? You just have Nerlens Noel. You don't have any other pieces you can like put in the forward slash center position right now. Or, like his Poppins hurt. It's kind of shocking that Gibson's still around, still around though. But yeah. Uh, all I, right, we're we're we're, get, we're getting off track. But I, I will say this. I will say this though. One, this is great. This is a great like a steal of a trade. Hmm. Steal, major steal. You didn't have to give up like anything. Like we Nemo. didn't have to give up, you know, Beatty or uh, Crow Armstrong, any of the uh, like the top prospects right now at all. Yeah, like I think. Like that's the that's the thing that's amazing is that like you guys barely had to give up anything. I don't know if that's just the Mets being really really smart or the Cleveland baseball team being really really dumb. Look, all offseason Cleveland, well, they're still they're still the Indians, I think, aren't they? Technically, well, yeah, technically, but I'm going to transition yeah, so, to just calling them the Cleveland baseball. But anyways, team. so Cleveland right now, like their whole their whole goal this offseason, anyways, was to I think they wanted to shed like I think the number was forty four million dollars, and doing this is certainly a, a good way to do that. But like again, the next the next piece of the uh, the equation. It's something Steve Cohen said in his introductory press conference. You gotta you, know, you don't want to just make big trades and have it last for the year. You gotta get the extension done. Yeah, that's the big one. And it's a little bit easier in baseball because like you could just kind of throw money at at them and then just say, "Here's your here. How many years? I'll pay you that much." <laughs> that that's that's kind of what it's turned into. And like I said, Dan, right now as we're recording this, he's he's getting his monocle and top hat on. He is getting it, and now he's just showing off all the money. He's throwing cash all over the place, all over the place. And I and I don't know. Like, look, here's the he, thing. He'll mange du gâteau. Let the meat cake. Oh God, I don't like this. He's learning a rich rich man's language. I don't like this. This is learning. Bad. I've, I've known French for, since high school. Mm. Anyways, keep going. It's it's great. We'll see what happens. I wonder if this move will actually get the Yankees to kind of just do something. Yeah, they're they're uh, they're they're dormant. They are they are a 
very, very... What's going on with just, them? Why aren't they doing anything? I don't know. It's just a thing that they do. They're like the small market of small markets now. <laughs> oh, 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 well. I don't know. Again, I'm not even a Yankee hater, but like, oh, well. <laughs> He's just... Fake crying and just patting down the tears with cash money. All right. That's enough of baseball because we're here to do one thing and one thing only. We're here to talk hockey. Now, this season is going to be interesting because there's they've basically realigned the divisions by basically out of necessity. So you have an East division that is stacked. Like I like there's like six teams that could easily compete for the cup on that on that division. Like oh, yeah. right? Six. Oh. Well, like, you know, the, the Devils and the Sabres. Are can, I, can I just say, though, regarding the, the, the Sabres real quick, like, don't count them out. They have, like, they have an old older Eric Stahl, but he can still get it done. And they have Taylor Hall. And they have Jack Eichel. Like, no, I've, I've, I've officially counted them out, to be fair. <laughs> There's I'm no goaltending on that team. They just announced that I believe it was Rasmus Ristolainen is going to be injured for some time. So they're really hurting on defense now. They have no goaltending. They're especially in that division. They're they're going nowhere fast. I'm I'm just saying, don't count them out. But like obviously they are towards the lower end of uh, where things stand. Yeah. The, so the reason I would count out the Sabers is just like th- it's the Sabers. They haven't been able to get to the top or like make a cup appearance like a very long time. And like this is almost bordering on like legacy of failure status. You know, like it's. You, you know the, po- you, you know like the you know um on do you follow SB Nation like on YouTube? Yeah. Like you know SB. they have like the collapse series. Yeah, pretty much. Like the Sabers, if you want to pinpoint it back to one moment, after they lost in 2011 to uh, to Philly, I remember uh, they um I forget if, I forget if they say they signed Vili Leno before 2011 or after 2011. The point is, they, they threw all this money at him. They lost in the playoffs in 2011. Then in 2012, they came this close, like, to the last day of the season. Them in Washington, it was, like, them competing for the eighth seed, and the Caps ended up getting it by, like, a, a hair. But, like, I remember when that happened, I was like, the window is shut right now because this was their chance to get in the playoffs, make some noise, and it's just been downhill ever since. And real quickly, I, uh, I was – wrong when I said it was Rasmus Ristolainen that was in there. It was Zimbus Gergensen's who's right. in he's out for six months due to a uh, he had a hamstring surgery. So he's done for six months. But still another defenseman that uh, they need and that's gonna be a big blow for them. There's What's somebody it? there's somebody else like I I forgot I forget the name. Somebody in the last like couple of days somebody somebody got ruled out for like four months. Do you remember who? I know Jonathan Taves for Chicago is going not, to be out. Not Taves. Time, but that's not who you're thinking of, I don't think. No, nah, I don't remember. Well, let, let's kind of reel it back in. By the way, wasn't Gergeson the guy the that got, like, random buzzed just be on the All-Star team? Yeah, yeah. Like, the entire country of Austria voted for him to be in the All-Star team. <laughs> Literally, like, everyone everyone over there was, like, all aboard the Zengis train. Wasn't that like the that they did the same thing to that guy Scott too? Well, yeah. was that like more of a players thing because everyone liked him? No, that was that was the entire fan. I'll never forget that. That was the entire fan base just, uh, of the NHL just being like, "Hey, like, let's let's just let's because we can because fan voting is a thing. Let's put John Scott in the All Star game." And then I remember when they traded him, like when they they forced the trade for him to go to Montreal and then get sent to the minors so he couldn't be in the All-Star game. Every post the NHL had on their Instagram, like the comments were, you know, like, free John Scott, free John Scott. And then eventually, you know, um, they made the exception so he could be in the game. And it was awesome. It was so much fun. As much of a joke as that was with John Scott being in the All-Star game, it was one of the highlights of that year's All-Star game, just having that there. And it was such a funny thing, but also it was entertaining to watch. And, uh, that was the year it was in Nashville, right? Was that 2017? Yeah. I, I know it was in Nashville. I know it was in Nashville, too. I just don't remember if it was 2016 or 20. No, 2016 was in, like, Tampa, right? I think you're right. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe that was 2018. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think, just, like, bottom, oh, you know, that all aside, 
I think just the main the main thing about the season that's really interesting is just like how they've divided all the teams into their divisions and they created their own division up north. Like it's just all Canada teams. And I don't know how they're going to do it, like the scheduling, because the way that the interesting way they're doing scheduling is they're having all the teams just face people in their division. So you're getting like matchups where the Islanders and the Rangers are facing off against each other like seven to eight times. Yeah. Which like the usual is like what, three, four times? Four or five. Yeah. Like four or five times. And then you'll like that. I don't know what, if that is good or bad because I could see like both sides of this. Like it, it's good because it's constant competitive battles because these guys like I feel like, you know, especially for rivalries, like all these team, all these guys, no matter how where at what point they are in the season, they're just going to keep going hard because like they they care about like the feud. And I feel like hockey is like one of the last sports that really where like I feel like as though the players genuinely hate each other on the ice. Like, but I could also understand like on the other side, like it's very, um, it can get stale. It can get stale if you're facing the same teams over and over again. I don't think it's going to get stale, especially with the rivalries. And what's really interesting to me is that, you know, you have all these teams who are going to be playing each other seven or eight times in the season and then playoffs roll around the first two series of the Stanley Cup playoffs this year are going to be within the division two. There's going yeah. to be one team from each division that advances to the final four, uh, the conference finals. So, you know, the feeling out process that you have sometimes when it's, you know, across division opponent is not really going to be there. You're, you know who you're going to go up against. Uh, like You're going to know your opponent very well. And when you know your opponent that well, you can really form a game plan. You know exactly what to expect and you know how to beat these teams. It's a matter of can you do it? Can you make the formula that works to get the, against that team happen? You know, you, you're probably going to know how to beat them. It's a matter of whether you can do it or not. And it's going to be really fun to watch uh, these teams just battle it out. I, I'm i more interested just like because that because of these divisions, we've formed – our own their own Canada division and this honestly so because of this does that automatically guarantee that at least one Canadian team will be fighting getting very close to the cup one team will be in the final four yeah one Canadian team yes could be anybody we'll see I, I again I have uh, as you know both of you know I have a lot of family and cousins up there and friends and whatnot and you know, I'm in a group chat with one of them for fantasy football. And I, I said to them, I was like, I think it's so hilarious and awesome that Montreal is about to be in the same division as Vancouver. This year. It's so, so great. Everything about it I love. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so great for, like, you know, the Canadian, like, media, too. Because like, it kind of just, like, it feels like that's their division. It, it, it's And then afterwards, like, whoever makes it to the Final Four they can kind of just all galvanize together and say, this is Canada's team. We're I guarantee you, I guarantee you right now, Calgary will not be rooting for Edmonton. Toronto <laughs> will not be rooting for Montreal. You know, so no, no. I, <laughs> wait, I thought Toronto hated um, Ottawa more than they hated. Uh... doesn't matter. They hate both of them. <laughs> That's, no, there, so there no will ch- be, there will be no, like ter- the only way this happens is if, if like, Maybe like the Western Conference teams will be rooting for the Eastern Conference teams, but I guarantee you that Ottawa will not be rooting for Toronto, or you know, uh, Vancouver will not be rooting for Edmonton. Whatever. I think Winnipeg not- is probably the only team where like you can maybe have like some sort of, you know, fine line of things being okay. I don't know. <laughs> so there's great. There's no no way that that's happening. No way that what is happening. No, there's no way that we're going to basically see Canada turn one of the teams into team Canada and then just like start rooting and galvanizing around that one team that makes the final four. No way. No, I, you know why I, this Canadian division too is interesting because I think if you ask, you know, people who really know hockey, I think most of them would probably say that this Canadian division is going to be the weakest of the four divisions in this year's season. Um, Especially in terms of playoff success uh Canada Canadian teams have obviously not had a ton of success uh probably the most success a Canadian team has had in the past few years would be Ottawa in 2017 uh if I I remember correctly um and didn't Winnipeg make the conference finals as well against Vegas so 
when yeah. Vegas went to the finals. So that's another team. So two teams in the past, what, four or five years that have made the conference finals and not even made the Stanley Cup finals. But you look at how that it's going to work out. There's one fewer team in that division than any other division in the league this year. So if four teams make the playoffs, that means only three are not going to make the playoffs. So more divisions or uh, there's going to be a better chance to make the playoffs out of that division, the weakest division than any other division there is. So, you know, I think some divisions are going to feel, um, you know, some fans of some divisions are going to feel like it's a little unfair that uh, you're going to have four of those teams and probably the last team to make the playoffs in that division, not going to be as good as the first team that doesn't make the playoffs in some of the other divisions. Um, But that's how it works out. And, the way sports works out, it would not be surprising if, you know, the, the last team that makes that Canadian playoffs ends up being the one that wins that division, you know, and moves on in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I can see – I can totally see it in, like, an NFC East scenario where – Yeah, exactly. Like, the, the fourth the fourth seed in the Canadian division has, you know, like, let's just say, like, let's use, use football terminology, like a 6-10, 7-9 record or whatever. Um, and, like, a team in the Pacific has, you know – an 11 and five record and they won't get, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I mean, you think about it, you think about that Eastern division with all those teams that are stacked. I mean, you have the Islanders, you have the Bruins. Uh, I mean, there's so many other teams as well that can just, they can play. And you have, you have Zdeno Chara and the Washington Capitals. The Capitals. Yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, there's, there's so many teams. The Rangers are, are going to be really tough to play against this year. Yeah. Um, and we're not even naming all of them, but there are going to be teams in that division that miss the playoffs that are real contenders. And then you're going to have a team or two from the Canadian division that are going to make the playoffs that probably don't belong there. Um, A perfect example is probably the Edmonton Oilers. Um, You know, they would probably make the playoffs regardless, but you could, you could just tell by watching the qualifiers last year against Chicago, they did not look like they deserved to be there at all. They Um, they looked like, dude, they looked like a, a junior team. Yeah, yeah, they did. But then, then you might have a team like, you know, uh, the Rangers or the Flyers or a team like that that misses the playoffs while a team like the Oilers could get in. It's going to be an interesting dynamic. I mean, it seems like, like you said, with the NFC East this year, in every league there's always a division that's weaker and there's always some, some teams that sneak in that probably wouldn't if they were in a different division. But this year it just seems a little more lopsided than others when it comes to uh, – difficulty in the divisions i I will say also um i just forgot what i was going to say completely god (laughs) brain fart totally Uh, oh i remember i remember i remember so um i will say also that doesn't necessarily mean though that like when a, a, a worse team gets in that it'll just be a complete dud because every single fan base this year for the most part, when Montreal and Chicago got in, everyone was always just everyone was like, "Oh God!" Like write these guys off immediately. The Canadians are playing the Penguins, the Black the Blackhawks are playing the Oilers, and you know McDavid and Drysaddle, and they got jobbed by both teams. So it's you know that's that's the beautiful thing about playoff hockey. You never know what's going to happen. The playoffs in general, the Seahawks beating the Saints in 2010. You know what I'm saying? You never know what's going to happen. So it'll it'll still be as exciting as ever course without the fans again it will uh be unfortunate but you know what we gotta we gotta deal with it this year and just bite the bullet on that one but every year at some point. every year there's a shocker i mean columbus and tampa bay and i wouldn't even say i mean it would have been a shocker if columbus won in seven they had the sweep against the tampa bay lightning in 2019 and that's not just you know that's not just an nhl thing you look at other sports nfl when the Seahawks made the playoffs at seven and nine and beat the New Orleans Saints that one year, it happens. It happens in all sports. These shocking things where teams don't deserve to get in, and then they go and they win. You know their first round or maybe the second round. And you know Columbus even had a really good round against the Boston Bruins in the second round. weren't able to beat them, but they played really well. It looked like they deserved to be there. They did, uh, yeah. You you watch this this weekend when the Washington football team ends up winning a, a playoff game against the Buccaneers at seven and nine. We can only hope. Yeah, that's the hope as of recording. But 
I I kind of want to want to ask you guys. So the, what I've noticed on looking at the other divisions. So we talked about the East being tough, the Canadian divisions, and I'm just looking at like the Central Division, and this is interesting. So the Lightning and the Stars are in the same division now, and I, I don't know how I how I feel about this. This is just great because it's basically like you're getting another like Stanley Cup series because of like the number of games they have to they have to be playing. You're basically guaranteed seven games with those two teams, and they are like undisputedly one of, like the two one of the two best teams in all of hockey. Now the the Lightning did lose Kucherov for the I believe is that for the year. Yes. Oh, that that's who I was thinking of. Yeah, he had he had hip surgery. Yeah. Which major blow, by the way. That's like oh yeah, m- massive blow, and. The only good news is that what you're getting like Stamkos back, but like there's no guarantee on guarantees on his health. But that division, the central division, it's basically the lightning and stars division to lose. And then it's the other and it's basically a fight between the other six that are still in there. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I honestly, like, it's not that I forgot, but like there are moments where like, where I actually forget that the Dallas Stars made the Stanley Cup final this year. Absolutely. Last year. It's yeah. just like. I came out of absolutely nowhere, and now like we're gonna have a, a divisional matchup with with you know the guys that beat them, and I, I and like you know, part of what I uh, just mentioned about the whole forgetting uh, factor is that that's just like one thing I just you know one additional thing I forgot the fact they're those two teams are in the same division now you know the, the Stanley Cup uh, matchup from last year is in the same division you know only in only in a season like this could that happen. And I think in that division too, it's definitely the most clear cut on the favorites for who will make the playoffs and who will not make the playoffs. I would say definitely the favorites are Dallas, Tampa, Carolina, and Columbus. Outside of that, I don't see any team from that division making the playoffs. Chicago, don't see them making the playoffs. Same with Detroit. I could see maybe Nashville sneaking in, but I don't have a lot of faith in Nashville. And then I'd also – I think Florida – I don't think Florida is as good as – if anything, I think Florida could get in over Columbus. But hey, – Regarding the Panthers real quick, wait a couple of years because when they get Levi and uh, Spencer Knight over, you know, after – I don't know if any of you watched the uh, uh, World Juniors this year, yeah. but like, oh, my God, those guys were on fire. Well, and, and a lot of whether or not the Florida Panthers will have success this year will probably fall on Sergei Bobrovsky and if he can rebound from his uh, really shaky season that he had last year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that for a second, like the World Juniors, because like Dan, Dan was like tweeting about this nonstop, almost very like incessantly tweeting about this uh, this hockey tournament. And why should I feel excited? Why is why should I feel like a genuine excitement for what was happening? Like what what made it so much more exciting than in previous years? I, I mentioned to Antonio Grillo, our our good friend, that World Juniors is not only a, a time of the year that is just so special and awesome to watch. It's ten days of pure hockey. The beautiful thing about World Juniors versus even the NHL or just any league is that all it is. For 10 straight days, you're seeing the future of the league, no salary cap, no calling up players or anything like that from your minor league team. It's just pure talent, just going at it head to head for, you know, like 10 days or whatever it is. And it's, it's just, especially like, you know, usually when they have it uh, in Canada and with fans, the atmosphere is only better because it's sold out literally every game. It's so awesome to watch. And you can really see the passion in those world juniors games that, the, the prospects on those teams, you can tell that they they aren't in it to play for money. They aren't in it to play for um, anything but winning a championship for, you know, their, their, to represent their country and to, uh, you know, with their teammates. That's what they're there for. They're there for the game and the game only. And that's one of my favorite things about the World Juniors is just the passion that they bring to the table uh, during those games. I, cause I can't believe it. Like it was, uh, I believe the, the, the U S won, and I, when was the last time a U.S. team won in the juniors? Uh, it was 2017. It was, uh, they beat Canada in the gold medal, uh, up in Montreal. It was, uh, it was the year where they had Charlie McAvoy, Long Beach, New York, uh, Jordan Greenway, Tyler Parsons, uh, Jeremy Brocco, Toronto prospect, uh, all, all sorts of, uh, 
it was it was a fun team to watch. Keeper Bellows, New York Islanders, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was the last time they won. And uh, the, this team this year, personally, I was talking to my cousins who, who were you know they, they were all aboard Team Canada as always. Um, I, I I was telling them I thought we were going to get absolutely rolled by them. U.S. Uh, going to get rolled by Canada because this Canada team. Not only were they the most dominant team since 2005, which is when they had like Bergeron, Crosby, and you know just to name a couple, Jeff Carter, just to name a few, but this Canada team, until the gold medal game, outscored their opponents 41 to four. They didn't allow. They didn't allow a single even strength goal the entire tournament until that championship game. Yeah, so I I really, especially because the U.S. they had. a couple of close games that they won, uh, like like the one against, um, uh, you know, the, the semifinal game against Finland. They also lost their first game like uh, by two goals to Russia. So I, I didn't think they were going to be as complete to, to defeat the machine that was Canada. But they just, you know, I was listening to Steve Dangle yesterday, and he was saying the U.S. The, every team has their thing. You know, Finland's feisty. Russian has Russia has the skill. The U.S. has the wheels, and like they just sped right by Team Canada all night and just shut them down. Yeah. So awesome, awesome to see them uh, take it home. And also the best game of the tournament, yes, the gold medal game was great, but the best game of the tournament by far, in my opinion, was the quarterfinal uh, when Finland came back against Sweden and the Leafs prospect, I forget his name, he scored with 20 seconds left to beat Sweden. That was crazy. Wow, that was what a excellent report from both of you. I love, I love that, and I, I just, can't, I love this, like, because you never really see this with like other, like other sports. Like, I mean, what, what football has the Senior Bowl or whatever they yeah. have, and basketball. Like, what, what is the basketball? What does the NBA have? They don't really have like a showcase that show that shows off every prospect from well, around used, the world. No, they well they used to have, not across the world, but like you remember like they have like the they have like the McDonald's All American Game. Or but whatever. that's like high school, like heading into college. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean that's again that's just the brilliant thing about World Juniors. It's international talent everywhere in the future of the league. Well, and what's so interesting too is to watch all of these players who are soon to be rivals in the nhl dude alex turcott alex turcott and trevor zegris like what yeah. is a king and zegris is a uh, anaheim duck exactly and then <laughs> it's also very interesting to down the line you know trades happen free agency happens and then these players end up being on the same team down you know later in their career and you know a lot of times they'll reminisce on oh yeah back in the world juniors when we were on the same team and not even the world juniors just being from the same country maybe crossing paths um, you know, throughout their rise in the hockey leagues, uh, throughout their entire career. So that's one of the most interesting things about the sport of hockey is just how these players um, grow, what, no matter what country they're from, together. And hearing their stories about how they uh, have played with each other, crossed paths and all of that. And they always go back to the World Juniors and talk about the time they spent with each other playing on those teams. And it's one of the things that hockey players love the most, I think. And, and, and uh, first of all, shout out to uh, um, other World Juniors admirer, Megan McGuire. We always have uh, you know, good discussions around this time of year about this stuff. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the things I think that's a, that's a major crime, a moral crime, is the fact that the Olympics gets all the attention. But it's people you see all the time, like when, you know, usually, obviously 2018 is different because the NHL players weren't there. But, like, usually you see TJ Oshie anyways. You see... Uh, you know, Ryan Callahan anyways, like, you know what I'm saying? World juniors, you're seeing most of these guys for the first, like, I, I know like all of these players now, like after watching them over the tournament, but like most of them, I have never heard of before. And you get like, it's like going to a concert um, and seeing the opening band. You, you, you don't know who they are, but like, I've, I've, I've come away on a couple of occasions that after just seeing the opening band and never hearing about them ever, I love them. And that's that's one of the beautiful things about World Juniors. You see these guys for the first time and you know you follow them until they get to the, the big stage. And another thing that's different about the World Juniors is that with, with the Olympics, you know you're going to have another Olympics in four years. With the World Juniors, it's usually one and done. You have one chance to win the championship and then you're moving on. And to that credit also, it's every year, so it's just another thing to look forward to every year. Exactly, yeah. Who do you think is like the most exciting rookie like heading into this season? Well, um, in terms of 
playing in the world juniors or just in general? Yeah. I would say let's just like split it between most exciting player you saw in the world juniors and then most exciting, most hyped player heading into the season from the actual draft. Great. You want to go first or? I mean, I think from the world juniors, the, um, the easy answer is Trevor Zegris. I yeah. mean, especially since Anaheim needs him so much. Alex Turcott as well. Um, because LA also needs him a lot as well. They need some scores, but I would say more specifically with Anaheim because Anaheim needs goals and they need it now. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Trevor Zegers like this year um, come up and play for them. They need that and they needed it yesterday. Um, in terms of rookies coming up this year, um, obviously Alexi Lafreniere. Um, I'm interested. I'm really interested to see if he plays with Artemi Panarin and to see how he develops as a scorer. Um, that's probably what I'm most excited to see um, in terms of, of rookies coming in. Because, I mean, and it's always too, like, you know, Jack Hughes went number one overall. I think he was a little bit of a disappointment. He didn't play terribly or anything. He held his own and all, but I think he had a little bit more hype surrounding him than, uh, than he lived up for. So I'm interested to see if Alexi Lafreniere can uh, – you know, outperform him, especially being in that uh, that same area around New York and New Jersey. Um, so that's kind of what I'll be looking out for at the beginning of this year. Um, I have a few players off the top of my head that I can't wait to see what they do down the road. Um, obviously, Lafreniere, it'll be cool to see what he does. Just, uh, you know, he was so, so covered uh, throughout his prospect career. But I cannot wait to see Trevor Zegers. Uh, just bring life to the Anaheim Ducks because, like, Getzloff is not going to be there forever. Um, you know, they, he, that, that's a guy that just injects life into your uh, the, your franchise, and I can't wait to see what he does. I cannot wait to see what Dylan Cousins does with the Sabres. Dylan Cousins, this tournament, he created opportunities out of nowhere. He, he you know, sped up the ice and just got it done by himself sometimes. I can't wait to see... Dylan Cousins and Jack Eichel playing together. That's going to be just so fun to watch. Um, Another, sorry, go ahead, Dan. I thought you were finished up there. No, no go, go. I was just going to say another player that I'm really excited to see is Ilya Sorokin. I'm sure you were going to bring him up soon, were you not? I was not because I'm – again, I'm just thinking about juniors right now, but obviously uh, that is uh, certainly going to be welcome to see uh, the white whale get up uh, between the pipes. But another player – another player that, like, I, I thought was a little under the radar, but – was you know crazily impressive in the tournament was Elmer Soderstrom for Finland. He Elmer Soderstrom really reminds me of Anders Lee, the big guy. He uh, you know he does like the battles in the corners, but he also has like a really really nice shot. And I you know I kept I kept um, being a little surprised when when I was watching the Sweden games because this guy just kept uh, you know kept coming and coming on offense and. I'm I, I'm really excited to see what he does for Detroit. And lastly, uh, Cole Caulfield. That guy has a wicked wrister, and the Canadians, the Montreal Canadiens, are definitely uh, in need of some offense too. They just traded Domi, although they got Josh Anderson. But again, like Caulfield is a guy that can bring it offensively, and I'm excited to see what he does. There's a lot of really interesting prospects, and. God, I can't believe you guys already nicknamed your goal, your future goaltender. Why? That's, Wh- that's White his, whale? That's it. That's been his nickname for a while. So, like, what's the story behind him? So apparently, like Sorokin, like he's been like an understudy or like learning from what Varlamov or something. Is that what I've heard? Is that like they already have like this mentor mentee relationship? Yeah, um, Varlamov, uh, from what I understand, was. Uh, uh, was uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? He was he was kind of important in getting him over here. Um, they have a relationship going back to Russia, from what I understand, and uh, that'll uh, that'll certainly be the goalie match or goalie uh, tandem this year between the two of them. You want like because basically the the end game is you want Sorokin to be like the full time goal goaltender because I know for the Islanders like it's been years since they had like one like 
undisputed goaltender starter because it's always been like, oh, we have Robert Lehner. Then it's like, but we always have Grice. We always like you switch in between. And I just remember, especially like when we were like doing Islander games, like those guys, they would always have like this goalie rotation and there was never like a, a an undisputed top goalie on those teams. Yeah. Bringing yeah. goaltenders up, though, is usually a slow and gradual process. Sometimes these guys get drafted like five or six years before they even see the NHL. A perfect example of that is Jordan Bennington. He was drafted in 2011, and he didn't see the ice until 2019. Um, and got uh, drafted in 2014. Yeah. yeah, exactly. These guys, it, it takes a long time, and most of the time uh, they, they come in gradually and uh, that's what they've done with Sorokin so far. And uh, the timeline, I'd say, is pretty on schedule for goaltenders that normally come up at this time. So I, I, I think they are right where they want to be with Sorokin. But well, how come is that, that's the case? Like, I, I understand, like, be a goaltending, the, the position of goaltender is a very, like, unique position, not just because, like, you're basically the last line of defense from stopping goals, but, like, I've also heard, that, like, a lot of times, like, Goaltenders in general, like as a person, are very different kinds of people compared to if it, like if you're talking to a defenseman or a forward. It's so different. Like these guys are like incredibly. They're, they're wired differently. Billy Smith never liked to be, you know, bothered during games back in the day in the '80s. He just he was, you know, locked in the whole time. Nobody's touching him. Nobody's talking to him. You know, the whole bit. Why do you think that's the case with like goaltenders? Like, why are all are all of them like this? Well, or... they, they have a they have a job to do. Like for sixty minutes at a time, they gotta they gotta be out there. They gotta stop a you know a small but very hard rubber cylinder uh, from going behind them, and they just they just you know it's like it's like taking a test also in, in school. You just want to be locked in the whole time and not be bothered. That's that's what it is. Yeah, just the the. You know, every player on the ice is going to have to be focused. Um, but you think about the focus of a goaltender, it, it has to be sharp the entire game. I mean, you can't take the eye off the puck. Um, and if you do, you're going to be a little bit behind. And if you're a little bit behind, uh, you are in trouble because the speed at which these NHL players work at is uh, almost impossible to stop if you are not perfectly on time with everything and dialed in and focused. So oh, sorry, I think that's probably why. Yeah. And the difference also between them and forward and de- forwards and defensemen, you know, forwards and defensemen, like they're not out there the entire game. Like they go on the bench for a little bit. So, you know, they have uh, they have like a, a quick second to kind of just hang back, sit on the bench and get ready for the next shift. But goalies, again, they have to be completely dialed in the entire time. Yeah, it's, it's just like a constant because they're the only ones that are always going to be on the ice all the time. And that's kind of interesting. Like when you mentioned about, you know, the World Juniors, it's like the showcase of talent. And it's not like with like and the NFL or like the NBA where the be- there's like a definite bench. Like these guys are all playing. It's just some of them play slightly more than the others. And there's just like a definite like these lines are defined as, OK, these guys are the stars. But at the end, like everybody plays like at least a good amount of the game. Like it's almost equal. Like the best like cases you want, like all four of your lines to be able to score is what I've always heard. Like if you're able, if you're able to create a team where all four of your lines are capable of scoring, that's really how, what separates you from like being a champion, being a champion. And I just, when I think about like some of the stuff, like with like goaltenders, it's just like, it's fascinating. Like I think, there's it's so wired and now that i think about it it's like yeah it's like these guys have to be like this they have to be like this because like they they're the only ones that have that are on the ice all the time and most importantly like they have probably the most important job on the on the ice aside from just scoring and scoring they they're like defending this for like 60 minutes and i can't imagine like stopping and sitting there like saving 50 50 pucks like while being like completely winded. How about Jonas Corposalo? <laughs> Jesus. How many saves did he have? Was it like 85 or something? Was it like 76? It was an NHL record. I know that. I forget the number. I thought it was like in the 80s. Let me see. I got to look it was up. Was that six? That was, they went to three or how many overtimes? Five like, overtimes. Five. Oh, like, my I think God. Seth Jones played like 55 minutes. 
Jesus God. Which is, hang on, you guys talk for a second. I gotta find this uh, save count. Well, you know the fact that the lightning were a- able to so um... eighty-five saves. Jeez. Oh my that, God. The fact that you go five overtimes, you play eight periods of hockey, and you come back and play just as well as you had before with no. I mean, obviously they had some sort of fatigue, but they didn't show it. Um, a lot of times those games where you just go and you go like, you know, overtime after overtime, those will wear you out. And that's when injuries become a threat when you're tired like that. And you're, you're not playing up to your normal capabilities, but they were able to power through that. And I think that's a lot, uh, a lot of credit goes to John Cooper on that. Like being able to get your team through a game like that five overtimes, especially against a team like the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are a team that will wind you down and wear you out and really punish you physically. If you're able to get Tortorella coach team will do that, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and you're able to get through that and and go on to the Stanley Cup final and really uh, play play well throughout the whole entire playoffs with no blemishes, really. uh, That's pretty impressive. Did you feel as though that after that game, or was it uh, – because I feel like there were two points in that in their playoff run where I kind of had that realization that, oh, my God, it's their year. It's This is the Lightning's year. And I wasn't sure where to pinpoint, like, when the realization started to kick in was, was it after that getting through the Columbus series, or was it when they clinched the series against the Boston Bruins? Well, I think the moment, obviously, when I kind of uh, realized it was Tampa's year was right after the Islanders series. I thought the Islanders were just in, just as much in that series as the Lightning were, even though they were down three games to one. After that game five that they won in double overtime, the momentum that swung in that in that series after that game, the Islanders probably should have won game six. They played better than the Lightning did in game six. Um, you know, sometimes you can play better than the other team and still not come out on top. And, you know, the Islanders were one goal and one win away from the Stanley Cup Finals in a series that they all that they likely would have won that series against Dallas. I think, you know, no matter who makes it out of the Eastern Conference that year, whether it be the Islanders or the Lightning, I think they win that series against Dallas. They had a shorthanded breakaway. Brock Nelson had that shorthanded breakaway. He scores that goal. Who knows what happens in Game 7, and it very well could have been the Islanders lifting the cup. I think the Islanders were just – I think they were in that series until that final horn blew. I still think the fight, the moment I knew that it was going to be Tampa's year was the, the late goal in game two. Mm. Yeah, that was just – that hurt. That was like a gut punch? Yeah. I'm sorry we had to relive that, Dan, but I... – All right, Francisco Lindor. <laughs> and we're just going to kind of brush through like the West Division, which the West Division we haven't even – like bother to talk about that then aside from just the three California teams that, you know, are putrid is I, I would say the word is putrid. Uh, pretty much the only division, like they had the golden Knights, you have the avalanche and the blues and then the wild. Cause like, that's like where you could pretty much tell which four teams are going to make, make the playoffs and which four are in. I would argue that Arizona probably makes it in over Minnesota. I agree. Really? I agree. Even, yeah. even after all the turmoil that's happening with that team. Look at the goaltending. That's that's my big thing. Darcy Kempner. Darcy Kemper versus Devin Dubnik. Uh, Dubnik's kind of on his way out. He's really, yeah, up. he's he's up there, man. Like, Wait, isn't was it Dubnik moved to the Sharks? You're right, he was. So who's going to be the goaltender for Minnesota this year now? I don't even know. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest. Um, I'd have to look that one up. I'm gonna do that right now, actually. But I, I still think, regardless, I think it's gonna be Vegas, Colorado. St. Louis and Arizona out of that division making the playoffs. Yeah. Now I I gotta ask you as a Blues fan, are you bummed out that you're not gonna be able to play uh, the Blackhawks in? Because I feel like wasn't that like that was like the one rivalry, like in the Central at the very least that re- that really mattered. Well, I'll tell you this much: like back in you know pro- probably from 2012 to 2017, that was one of the best. That was over those spans of years, that was probably the best rivalry in hockey. That those two teams hated each other. And they were both – they could have won the Cup any of those years. Um, either of them could have uh, every year, year in and year out. Um, now that's not really the, the case. The Blackhawks are kind of uh, irrelevant now, which, you know, I, it, the, the rivalry is still there. The two teams obviously don't like each other. 
but it's not as heated as it used to be when both teams were very competitive. The grand, real quick, just just so he uh, understands better, speak to the importance of 2016 Game Seven. Uh, yeah, that was like uh, that was that was probably the most important game for the St. Louis Blues up until the Stanley Cup Finals in 2019. Um, because you, you you just look, and you're gonna get me on my uh, my little soap over here. Uh, you look at the Blues' lack of playoff success up until 2016. Yeah, 2012 when they beat the Sharks, which was their first playoff series win in 10 years. Um, and then they get swept by the Kings. Turn around the next year in 2013, go up two games to none to the Kings in the first round and lose four straight. They did the same thing against the Blackhawks in 2014, going up 2 nothing and then losing four straight again. 2015, losing to the Minnesota Wild in a series that they definitely should have won, but they did not play well. Um, and then you go to 2016 uh, when you're up three games to one against the Blackhawks, lose the next two, and every Blues fan is like, oh, here we go. We've seen this story before. And then game seven happens. You go up 2 nothing in game seven. The game goes gets tied at two, and you're like, of course, here we go. Uh, but the Blues are able to pull it out. That I, I was at that game. It was probably one of the best crowds I've ever been a part of. It, it was electric in that place. And then three years later happened. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I, I said, I, I remember saying, I don't know if I'll ever go to a game that tops that in like a long time. And then three years later, that was uh, that was debunked. By the way, Minnesota Wilds goaltenders this year is going to be Cam Talbot. So the I, point still when, remains. When did that happen? When did that happen? <laughs> The point still remains that Minnesota does not have goaltending. I do not remember Cam Talbot. Like, yeah. I don't, was he traded there? Did he sign there? What, what happened? I think he signed there. But regardless, actually, you know what? Wasn't Cam Talbot? He's been all over the place. That guy's yeah. like, like, like an oil, oiler and yeah. then like Oilers a, a in flame. Calgary and then yeah. um, now I guess Minnesota. I had no idea. <laughs> How do you go from – like Edmonton to Calgary, like those teams never like. Mike Smith did that. So did uh, Lucas Pisa. Yeah. Um, so many people. Jesus. Lucic did it. It's you know crazy. what? That's... There's, actually, there's actually more movement between those teams than you would think. It's crazy how that happens. And I'll tell you what: if I was a Minnesota Wild fan, I'd be very disappointed in how they handled their goaltending situation this year, especially with all the goaltenders that were on the market this year. You had Brayden Holtby, uh, Henrik Lundqvist, which even though, like you know, the situation that happened with Lundqvist with him not being able to play the season now due to a heart condition, regardless, he was still out there. They they still could have you know picked him up before they knew that they didn't even try. Um, there were other goaltenders. Jacob Markstrom was out there as well. Uh, Where's he had, now? He's not. He's not with Vancouver anymore. Calgary, right? So you had all these goaltenders that you could have gone after, and they get Cam Talbot. That's just uh, that's not going to cut it. And if I'm a Wild fan, that's really disappointing in my eyes. It's Jesus. Like I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that Cam Talbot has been moved all over the place because this guy wasn't he like raved as like a top like goaltender prospect, and then he just kind of. Well, he, sort of passing himself along all, a, all across the league. Not a prospect, but he uh, when he was Lundqvist's backup for the Rangers, he was really solid in net for them. And then then he uh, he went to Edmonton. Everyone thought he was going to be the goalie of the future there, and it just, just you know didn't really it just fizzled out. out. Yeah, but he was he was really good as a Ranger back in the day for them. Like there was actually talk I remember when if they were like uh, if if they, they were deciding whether or not they should keep Talbot and get rid of Lundqvist. They were, and they were having like this the very same discussion with Shesterkin, um, like now, at the very least. Well, now it's official, like now, it's Shesterkin's yeah. team. But I want to wrap things up simply by asking you guys. So let's kind of go through like brief, like which four are making the playoffs essentially. Okay. So I'm gonna just go this. My gut tells me Lightning, Stars, Hurricanes, and Predators for the Central. I, that it's basically I I agree with you guys. Like Predators. Blue Jackets are basically fighting for that final spot. Yeah. East. I'm going to go back to the East because that one's going to take a little bit for me to figure out. The West, I would say it's definitely clear cut to me. Blues, I'm going to say, you guys flip me on this. Blues, Avalanche, Golden Knights, and the Yotes. 
and the Canada division. I'm not calling it the North division. I refuse to call it the North division <laughs> or whatever sponsorship they plaster it on there. I don't care. We're going to call it the Canada division because that's what it is. The Canada division will be, I think Vancouver, Toronto. Wow. This is actually really tough. I'm going to say Edmonton. I, it's like, I, I understand like you, like why you guys are down on Edmonton, but I just like, I just still think Connor McDavid. He's just the best player in the league. Well, yeah, the, the, the Oilers might score five goals a game, but they'll also probably allow six goals a game. So <laughs> but by the time it all balances out, you know, who knows what's going to happen with the Oilers. Yeah. I'm looking, looking for an exact um, exact list of the divisions. Like, like I have it in my head, but I, I want to just see it anyways, just to be sure. But keep going. Yeah, so I'm going to say Oilers, and then, like, I, I'm trying to decide between, like, the Montreal and and Calgary. Like, I don't know why. I, I like this Montreal team. There's something about Montreal that makes me think, like, they're back. And they used to be, like, really, like, all over the place, inconsistent for, like, the past few years. But something tells me that this team is back and that their little run last year might lead to, actually lead to something. I'm not saying they're going to be cup contenders. I'm just saying that they might have a better chance of making the playoffs than, than the flames do. I'm not like, that's just like my intuition. I, I, my hockey knowledge is very like limited compared to both of yours, but I just have this gut feeling on, on Montreal that they're going to be back. They they took a huge step last year. And honestly, I don't think it happens if they get denied that playoff berth, that, you know, very late playoff berth. Um, because that what they did to the Penguins, like, how can you not be excited to be a Canadiens fan after that? You got to remember, though, Calgary was the best team in the Pacific Division just two years ago, and they haven't really lost anybody since that run. Hmm. They're a very they're they're a great regular season team. They are not built for playoffs. They're a first or second round exit every year, but they are a playoff team. But like, what's like the one thing that's caused them to like? What's like basically like what's causing them to be such a great regular season team, but then once they head into the playoffs, does what their greatest strength turn into an actual weakness? Is that what's the happening there? Their defense. Mark Giordano is about the only guy on that team that really plays defense. Um, mm. you, you, a lot of the teams that always are great in the regular season make the playoffs and then really struggle are the teams who are very heavy offensively. It's the same thing with the Edmonton Oilers on a little less, you know, the Edmonton Oilers are a little worse off than the Flames are, but it's pretty much the same thing. It comes down to goaltending, which Calgary kind of has an answer for now with Jacob Markstrom if he plays as well as he did in the 2020 playoffs. Um, But still their defense is very unreliable. Very good offensive defenseman on the team, but you don't need your defenseman to put up points. You need your defenseman to prevent the other team from scoring points. And, you know, when you're in the playoffs and teams are playing really physical, and those are the teams that really wear teams like Calgary down, the teams that are very physical and uh, very, very punishing like that. And that that's, that's typically why Calgary is always a first or second round exit. It's what Colorado did to them in 2019. And for a while, um, Susumu regarding the whole heavy offensive nature and fizzling out in the playoffs. I think the teams, for example, until obviously they finally won it all, the Washington Capitals, the Washington Nationals, uh, the Green Bay Packers are kind of approaching that territory again, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, and uh, the Clippers, you know? Yeah. The Clippers, like even even during Lob City era with uh, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, they didn't win anything, you know? Well, look at the Islanders. I mean, over the past few years, the Islanders haven't been um, astonishing in terms of offense and in, in terms of being a regular season team. But once they make the playoffs, watch out because the Islanders are a tough team to play against. Yeah. Very tough team to play against. And you know why? It's because they have a stacked defense, they have reliable goaltending, and they have some very physical forwards. And that is the formula that wins in the playoffs. And they have the best coaching and, you know, arguably front yeah. office in the whole league. That doesn't hurt as well. That does not hurt as yeah. well. <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing about the East that's really that I'm trying to figure out. Like, I I just think so. When I look at the East, I understand like everyone likes everyone likes Buffalo. I'm I'm not buying it. I want to see it until I want to see it to believe it. That's my whole me- mentality towards that team. 
the Rangers, I feel like, are a year away. Mm-hmm. I like them. I really hope that they were they, that they were going to do well because not only are they an exciting team, but also because we have like we know so many Ranger fans and they're very very passionate for their for them and they are they they have, they have the most they have like the be, like the most touted rook touted rookie heading into the season and they have Artemi Panarin who is just. I love our time. He only went off. And it was a bandage yet too. You know, people forget about him. He had an awesome year last year and five goals in a game one at one yeah. point. Yeah. That was, that was like a week before everything. Nuts. Got down. I those, think, I think this could be the first year we see Pittsburgh slip down into like sixth place in the division. Uh, I could see the Rangers finishing uh, above the Penguins this year. I, I think the Rangers are better than the Penguins at this point. I agree. Especially with Shostyorkin coming up and playing as well as he did last year. Plus oh, Pittsburgh, like who's their the like, Jari's their number one goaltender yeah. now, and you know Murray's gone too. So they put a lot of faith in Tristan Jari after one successful season. Yeah. Um, and another thing, uh, Susumu, I, I've been a follower of Zabanejad for years now because again, where did I first see him play? When he scored the gold medal winning overtime goal for Sweden against uh, against Russia in, in twenty. He's a, he's a Swedish guy. I thought he was like from a different country. No, he's from Sweden. He's oh, he really? has he has like Iranian descent, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that's his background, but he's from Sweden. Who am I thinking of? That's like a different. Uh, that that doesn't matter. Uh, but the, now that I'm looking at this, and I and so we are all in agreement, like Boston and Washington, they're making the playoffs, right? We're all in agreement on that. I mean, Washington, I'm I'm not sold on them. I mean, I know they have Samsonov, but like. Who's their backup goalie at this point? Like, where's the help there? You know, I mean, I'm not saying they won't make the playoffs. They still have, obviously, the talent uh, within Ovechkin, Backstrom, Oshie, uh, Carlson, Kuznetsov. Um, but I don't think they're a slam dunk, especially after what the Islanders did to them in, in the first first round last year. Right? It was yeah. Not the qualifying round. Was the first round. I think my locks are Islanders, Bruins. Yes. And my, my likelies are Philly and Washington. And then my, my team that has a chance to break through is the Rangers. I totally agree. Like, everything you said is what I would pick for my division, too. So yeah. you guys are both really, really high on the Islanders. And maybe maybe I'm just, like, I'm not – I'm doing this – I'm doing I'm getting hooked by the same thing, like the same trap again, which is they're not – the Islanders aren't flashy, but that's not not their style. That's not what they're supposed to be doing anyway. Like the whole point is that they're not flashy. The whole point is that these guys are going to keep the defensive energy up. They're going to keep blocking all the shots. They're they're going to focus on their defense and then just get as many goals as they can. And they're not going to do it like in such a speedy fashion. They're going to do it. They're just going to get whatever goals they can get. Like that's the style that they're going for. Maybe I'm I'm just getting roped in by that whole no flash kind of thing. No, the Flyers are interesting though. I do yeah. I do like the Flyers a lot. I'm not I'm not totally high on the Flyers, but I think they'll make it personally. I like the fact that they're getting Lin Lindholm back. Lindblom. Or Lin, what? Lindblom. Lindblom. Oh oh my bad. Sorry. And credit, and also, credit to Barry Trotz. The second they beat them in Game Seven, I remember the first thing he said at the podium was like, you know, like hats off to Oscar Lindblom for what he was able to. Do. Awesome. Yeah. Um, if I if I may, um, could I just quickly name my my four for each division? Gotcha. You can go. All right. So Central, I'm going Carolina, I'm going Tampa, I'm going Columbus, and I'm going Dallas. Okay. I four for four for me as well. Yeah. The East, we just said Bruins. Islanders, Flyers, and I'd say, again, Washington. And then the Rangers would be the breakthrough team. Because, again, I think the Penguins are falling off. But, you know, you never know with that yep. team. Because they're just – they they get things done. I remember, like, last year they got – they had so many injuries and they still strung together wins. So, you never know with them. Yeah, same for me there as well, those four. West, uh, the St. Louis Blues, the Colorado Avalanche, the Vegas Golden Knights – and I'd say the Arizona Coyotes. I think they're better than Minnesota. Those are my four as well. Can we and go four, the, four? Yes. And in the north, Montreal Canadiens, Vancouver Canucks. I I can't wait to see what Pedersen does this year. Um, he's he's so awesome to watch. Um, I would say this is a little tricky. 
Yeah, this one's like the toughest division to figure yeah. out. Because I'm just gonna rule out Ottawa, even though I, I'm I'm loving what they're doing, uh, what they're building, and especially um, some of the guys that played for them and played for juniors this year. Uh, like Did you get Sanders. the German guy? Yeah, Stutzel also. Tim Stutzel, he's he was awesome for Germany. They also got Matt Murray. They got Matt Murray. Yeah. Um, again, don't don't sleep on the Senators this year, but I don't think it's their time yet to come back into the playoffs. But I, I'm I'm very much looking forward to what they do in the future. You haven't mentioned Toronto yet. I think Toronto's a lock. Toronto's a lock. So you got one That's more. And I think more. this one comes down to Calgary and um, Winnipeg. Yeah. And if I had to choose, I'd probably pick Calgary, even though I think Winnipeg would go further in the playoffs. I think Calgary would be the team that makes it. I just think Winnipeg's fragile. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, so Montreal, Vancouver, Toronto, and Calgary, and that's those are my picks. Yeah. And, and I think either Edmonton or Winnipeg could both break in as well. Both, yeah. I mean, I don't what, do, think... what do you mean when you say, like, they're, they're fragile, though? What do you mean, like... They when... just... If I just don't think they're... I don't think they're that sustainable as a, as a team, really. I mean, they they have uh, who who was it? it was uh, Shifley who got injured in the playoffs, right? They had a lot of injuries in the playoffs. Yeah, but he was like the big one. Yeah. I just I don't know. I mean, and they have the most overrated goaltender in the league. I think. Connor yeah, I, I know you're not a hell of a extremely fan. overrated. <laughs> extremely overrated. He just won the Vesna Trophy, but I, I I think he's he's a good goaltender, but I think he's very overrated. If you want a reason why, go back and watch highlights from the Blues and Jets series in 2019. There's your reason why. (laughs) Was it – I remember, like, the the, the Jets, they had, like, the highest of highs. They went all the way – I believe they went to the conference finals at one of the years. And Hellebuck was, like, one of the biggest reasons why that they were – they reached that point. Yeah. And now it's just kind of like this guy kind of – like, he's good. Like, he'll have great nights, but – like he will have like times or games where he's just he's just not there or he's yeah. just like not able to keep up that consistency that he's built up uh, at uh, the very least. Like, all I got to say about the future of the league, the, the real winners of the World Junior Championship this year based on what you saw in net, the Florida friggin' Panthers. I almost said mm-hmm. the uh, other F word, but I didn't. Devin it's Levi okay. Uh, who's a resident? Who's a native of Dollar Des which is a suburb in Montreal. Got a lot of good friends and family up there, uh, so that was cool. And Spencer Knight, I mean, the guy, the guy shut them down. When when U.S.'s mm-hmm. defense didn't shut them down, he was there to stand on his head and save the day. Awesome. The Panthers, they, I mean, I mean, this, this is a question for down the road. But if both of them come up at the same time, like, what do you what do you do? You, you, you trade one, like. What I think you do, you either trade trade Bobrovsky or you trade one of them, and you trade them for a talented defenseman, and not an offensive defenseman, a defenseman that will keep the puck out of the net, a guy like Colton Pareko. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know if you want that, but well, maybe you do. Oh no, no, no! A guy like Colton Pareko, not Colton Pareko himself. Yeah, <laughs> it's like um, here, take my but, here, take my defenseman. It's yours. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a question for down the road, but. Um, God, if, if you're a Panthers fan and you saw what happened in, in net, I mean, there's reason to be excited because those guys were so yeah. fun to watch. Well, this was fun. I really appreciate you guys coming on and doing this. This was the first – honestly, this is the first time I did, like, a podcast with two people at the same time. And I'm so happy with how this hap- how this went about, how we got this done. It's so I'm very excited. This season's going to be interesting because I'm pretty sure they're still not going to have any fans in the uh, – Venues, some, right? some teams are. The Panthers are, Tampa is, the, uh, Dallas, and Arizona. Well, and depending oh. depending on how fast these vaccinations roll out, you might be able to see some fans later down the road trickle into other places. I really hope so. Same here. It just doesn't feel like the same without. Like, that's like, hockey is like one of the... Nothing feels the, the same. <laughs> well, okay, okay, I get that, I get that. But, like, it, hockey especially, like, it's the sport that basically you have to be there in person to really enjoy the sp- Like, if you had to pick between watching it on TV and then coming to the actual game, you're picking going to the game over watching it on TV, right? Always. It, it's like the one sport that basically incentivizes you to come to the game because you will be rewarded, like, guaranteed. Like, you might be, like, 
it might not be a bad it might be a bad game but like you're still it's like the atmosphere is still there like everyone's like it's awesome like i've been to there's nothing like live hockey it's so good like i as much as like i like like even like going to the barclays center which clearly wasn't like in hockey arena like it's still like the atmosphere was still working mm-hmm. you know live hockey is live hockey that's all i gotta say yeah and I mean, like, I liked how they did the, uh, like, the playoff presentation. Like, I don't know if that's how all the other teams are going to do it in their own their own stadiums, but I'm just, I like that. I like how, like, that's how they're, that's the setup they're going to do. I'm interested to see what the arenas look like, especially Madison Square Garden or... Well, you, you've been, you've seen some of the uh, the Knicks games, right? Yeah, like, it looks so, like, different. Because like, they, they got, I mean, all the arenas right now for basketball, they have... Uh, they have like where normally there'd be the floor seats. That whole area is just you know extra floor space. For at the yeah. Moment. So does that mean that like they're going to try to like expand like the the hockey bench or something so that like it's now or maybe they're oh, they're probably gonna uh, it's 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 honestly it's just gonna be probably what you saw in Edmonton with juniors and the and Toronto with the bubbles. You know that's probably what it's gonna be. Like there's although, although some teams are doing I know the Islanders are doing I don't know about the any of the other teams some teams. Uh, is the Islanders Arena still like in the works? Yes, it, I drove by it yesterday. It is. It is there. <laughs> it <laughs> is. It for... is certainly there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for this hockey season, and I want to thank both of you for hopping onto the hopping onto the podcast. And before you go, uh, is, let the people know how they can reach out to you and what you've been up to. Grant. Yeah, um, I mean, you could always follow me on Instagram. I am uh, at Grant uh, underscore Francis. Um, or no, I'm Grant D. Francis. My bad. I don't have my phone on me right now. So I half the time don't even remember my handles. It's at Grant D. Francis. So you could follow me on there. Reach out to me by that way. Yeah, and me uh, on Twitter, if you want to see my shenanigans and my Francisco Lindor celebrations. Uh, at Savant Sports, S-A-V-A-N-T Sports, all one word. Uh, and on Instagram, uh, at Hansonator329, H-A-N-S-O-N-A-T-O-R-329. Thanks, ever- Thank you both for coming on, and that's going to do it. Thanks so Islanders, much. Islanders Rangers one week from today. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, we're the Blues facing first. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche. It's going to be a great game, January Ooh. 13th. They're not playing the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I'm playing the Chicago Blackhawks. That's a bummer. Uh, now, I'm a, thanks for getting me excited. But anyway, thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful time, and I'll see you all next time.